It's Final Fantasy 16 release week, and I am finally excited after playing the demo. Plus, the European version of Tencent is now regretting its strategy of acquiring everybody. Tonight is June 18th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Aki Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. I don't know what to do when I'm actually, like, ready on time. I'm not rushing at the last minute. I'm, like, just sitting here going, wait, waiting for the clock. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an actual on-time edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We do tape this show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Come join us uh, and interact with the show directly, and uh, I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. Wish me luck. Uh, but I do understand we are a podcast, uh, so you might not be able to be here on Sunday nights. There might be something on TV uh, or whatever, or you know, you may be out enjoying uh, summer now being here, maybe in your part of the world. Uh, I understand. Uh, we do have a Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Uh, that is where you can get the public invite to get into our Discord server and talk about things during throughout the week and share stories uh, that maybe you want to hear talked about on the show uh, during this week or comment on previous episodes and we can go back and uh, revisit some of those topics with a couple of weeks uh, and of more reflection on everybody's part. Um, but uh, 2023 is going to be a great game for late, a uh, great year for gaming. I should probably speak correctly. Uh, this is going to be a great year for gaming. Uh, and, and we've seen a lot of stuff announced over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've, we're going to have more things announced. There is always the rumor that Nintendo's going to do something. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, people are already going to want Tears of the Kingdom 2, and they're going to want a trailer. Uh, they're going to want details, and they're going to be very upset when they don't get it whenever Nintendo does want to speak with you next. But they've got to have something for the holidays. But uh, the big game uh, that I want to talk about is uh, We Love Katamari Reroll, uh, Royal Re- Re- uh, Reverie. Yes, that's the game I wrote. No, uh, it's this is a very good adaptation of We Love Katamari, which I actually loved. Uh, I actually liked this sequel more than the original, which you don't usually get. Uh, with with a lot of games. And I even said this in the PS2 era. I actually thought We Love Katamari was a better game than the original Katamari Damacy. Um, and um, it, it, because they did get the original uh, Keita Takahashi, the original designer, to come back, even though he said, I never do sequels. He did this sequel, and then he left, and then the other games after it were not that good. But this one was, is uh, is really good. Uh, I've been playing through it. I uh, remember how frustrated I got at the damn fire level. Um, it was very frustrating. Uh, but, uh, you know, I it, it brought back my joy of playing We Love Katamari. So 
that's the game I really wanted to talk about was this. And I bought it on the Switch, but it is available on other platforms. Uh, and it has a way where you can select which music you want uh, for each level. So if you don't like certain tracks, you never have to hear them. Uh, you just have to remember to to select them. Uh, and uh, and it also makes it so you can actually see all the uh, all the places you can go without having to like walk to them in the little world. You, you can actually just pull up a menu and it's got a list, uh, and you can see everything, so you know exactly what you've got left to do. Fifth Dream says, "I've already got my games for the rest of the year, uh, and maybe Spider Man Two and the Bethesda Star, whatever Starfield, whatever." Uh, and um, and Fifth Dream says he only found out that this was coming out the day after. They had bought Final Fantasy 16 and Diablo 4. Because, like, we got Diablo 4. Uh, some people are into Street Fighter 6. Uh, people are still going through Tears of the Kingdom. We got Final Fantasy 16 coming out, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Uh, and, and you know, we got Starfield coming up soon. And uh, I wish I could say I was hyped for Forza Motorsport. But uh, after seeing the latest uh, the latest trailer or the latest, like, dev thing that they did, uh, not... Not not as much, mainly because they've decided they're going to do like this car progression system that what, what they're doing. Let's get on the Forza tangent for a little bit. Forza Motorsport is not the arcadey Forza Horizon. It is the, the competitor to Gran Turismo. It's the analog to Gran Turismo. And Gran Turismo locks a lot of stuff behind your skill. Uh, and what Forza is doing is it's um, it's like your car gets XP the better you drive it. And so you go through and do all these practice laps on the track with nothing else. And all you're doing is driving the track. And to, to, to me, that's boring. Uh, I just want to go race. And it sounds like you can't just go race. So I'm thankful it's on Game Pass and I have Game Pass and I will try it. Uh, but I'm not putting out like the $100 Ultimate Edition like I was for Forza Horizon. So, um, so I, I was a little disappointed in that when I saw that they did kind of more of a deeper dive uh, later this week. But what I was not disappointed in, which actually surprised me, was Final Fantasy 16. So uh, we, t- we did know last week that Final Fantasy 16 was coming. The demo was coming on Monday. Uh, we taped the show on Sunday nights. Uh, so Monday, I went and played, the, played through the demo that morning. And here's my take on all this, is that it was essentially the first episode of a uh of a, of of a TV series it was the first episode of a series that and then you can binge the rest of it starting on Thursday and I was very uh very happy to see what was in it uh I was pleasantly surprised that I did like the combat the devil may cry style combat um and uh I went out and I did uh, go to BestBuy.com and I did pre-order my physical copy of the game. Uh, the standard edition, just doing the standard, but it gets me some of the the digital pre-order bonuses and stuff, which is the only reason I did it. Uh, but it was it was that. And then I also, also got a uh, two terabyte NVMe drive and put it in my PlayStation because I didn't have enough space on the drive. To do it, um, uh, to, to to have it, uh, so I bought a two terabyte drive and I put it in my PlayStation Five. It wasn't that bad. I, I was it was it was pretty easy. Uh, getting the case off is a little scary, so you can get to the where you need to plug in the drive, but then it's fine after that, and it didn't break. And and if it would have broken, it would have broken on me. Um, and uh, Fifth Dream says Final Fantasy sixteen is so promising. The story is great. The acting is so good, and the kaiju fights are amazing. 
uh, I don't know if I have enough space. I'd need to see if I need to delete anything. So they actually said at the very last minute, they got it down to one disc, which means it's going to be somewhere between 92 and 96 gigs. So you probably need to have, sometimes they even say you might need to have uh, double that to be able to install it. I don't know if that's the way that it's, it, it is uh, going to be. Sometimes you need double the space because it installs it or it downloads it and then it unpacks it. So it both needs to be around at, at the same time. Uh, but I don't know if the PlayStation 5 does that. But it's going to be 92 to 96 gigs. Fifth Dream asks, can we preload yet? Um, and uh, the, the, you can preload, I believe, 48 hours before. So that will be Tuesday. So... Uh, you, you preloads for digital content will be on Tuesday. Uh, I will be installing it from the disc. Uh, and uh, Red Entertainment says one disc, but how much does the disc download? Um, the disc can hold somewhere between 40, uh, 92 and 96 gigs. So there are ways that what they can do is they can highly compress things and then uncompress them. So the game may be bigger on your hard drive than it is on the disc. But... Uh, in order for like they can have like textures highly compressed and then they uncompress them uh when it installs uh which i believe is probably some of the stuff that they're doing but it's going to be around that long uh, that much and i believe that there's even been some copies that are out in the wild some places either broke street date or reviewers are leaking things and uh they're they're saying it's about it's a little bit under 100 100 gigs is how big the game actually is and Questbuster says two discs equals time for a snack break. Yeah, I'm going to get the game and I'm going to like, you know, go down to my PS5 and tell it to install. And then I'm going to like leave for like an hour. Like I'm not going to sit there and be able to play it at that time. Um, so uh, that's the, that's the good part. And I was very, very excited about some of this stuff. Uh, one of the things that was interesting is that the developers did a Q&A session after the demo came out for the Japanese audience. And one of the, they said a couple things like there the the two hour demo that you get is very story heavy. It's very cutscene heavy, and they're like, "Well, we were setting the scene." It's basically it was the pilot episode. Rob Robert said that on his stream, and I stole it, and I'm going to make it my own and not credit him at all. Uh, said it was basically the pilot episode or the first episode that you get for free, and then you can binge the rest of the series when the game comes out. Uh, so they had to set up a lot of things, and they had to set up all the characters. And one of the things that was mentioned was the acting is so good. Fifth Dream said that, and a lot of people noticed that, and a lot of Japanese. People played it and said, uh, the lip syncing is off. Uh, and, and they said, what, what do you, th this is wrong. Why, why is the lip syncing off? And the developers actually said something that's going to be very interesting to see how um, fanboys react and see how they handle things. Because there are a lot of people out there that are uh, subs over dubs. We're going to go into the anime wars, right? Subs over dubs. I always watch everything in the original language. Well, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Final Fantasy 16 because the developers actually consider the original language to be English. The script was written in English. All the acting was done in English. All the mocap was done in English. They consider English to be the original language of the game. And they even convince, they're trying to tell Japanese players to play with English with the subtitles of their own language to really get the feel of the game. I thought that was really interesting that they, they came out and said that, that, you know, they're like, yes, it's, it's a Japanese game, but we made it in English. And I, I believe they even said they wrote the script basically in English. 
um, and then they translated it. So really, the Japanese is a dub. It's the Japanese dub of the game is the one that probably a lot of purists are going to play. I'm going to play in the original language. They're going to throw in Japanese. It's a dub. So uh, I'm I'm very interested to see how that comes across um, and and how people handle that. I liked the the acting in it, uh, and it was great. Uh, And uh, Questbuster says I'm fine from uh, with this from an artistic perspective. And uh, Fifth Dream even says, this game and Street Fighter Six both made English first. What's happening in Japan? Um, so, uh, I don't know. But uh, I, there are, are a lot of Western influences in this. Uh, and I do kind of want to mention something that I know, like, some corners of the internet where um, they've, they've looked at leaks. And I, I've looked at a little bit of, like, some spoilers. And I'm not giving any right now. But it's turned a lot of people off to the game because there are two things that happen in this game uh, or or that were basically uh, uh, bedrock themes of the game that a lot of people are not liking. And there are even people boycotting the game and trying to to make noise about it. And um, that is the first one is the lack of diversity. And we've talked about that before because where they the Final Fantasy 16 creators said, uh, you know, we're, we're doing medieval Europe and it's all white men and, and it's all white people. So there's, there's that the, 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 the lack of diversity has turned a lot of people off, especially when you've got games that can, you can have a character creator, uh, and where you can have, uh, you know, black players or women and you can, you can be that and you can't do that in final fantasy 16. But there's another thing that they haven't told you yet, told people yet. And I'm going to. Uh, because I kind of have looked at some of the the, the spoiler threads out there. And uh, there are a lot of people turned off over some of the themes regarding the women characters. Uh, they took a lot of inspiration from Game of Thrones in the sense that there is a lot of sexual violence. Uh, and there are not that many women characters in Final Fantasy 16. And there are storylines about one of those characters, uh, that is, uh, and for lack of a better word is triggering for people who are, who have been victims of that type of assault. And... It uh, some people have read the leaks and said I was really excited for the game until I read that and I can't play it. And they don't really say they, none of that's really in the demo, but and I don't know how much of it is shown on screen, but it is basically one of the character arcs really goes is is around that type of violence towards one of the female characters. And like I said, there's not that many women characters. So if that is something, if you didn't like how Game of Thrones handled that type of uh, characterization and that type of backstory, you're not going to like how Final Fantasy 16 did it. So, but if you liked Game of Thrones, if you were one of the many who liked Game of Thrones, then you're going to say, okay, Final Fantasy 16, it's a mature game. It's for, for it's for adults. It's definitely not for kids. Uh, it's a very mature game uh, with with mature themes, and that's just part of it. And that's and you may be just just fine with it. And Redertainment uh, asks: uh, So not only can they uh, write non-white can can they not write non-white people? 
they can't write women experiencing trauma that isn't sexual assault. Uh, basically, yes. Like, that. that's it. And apparently, uh, I never played through Heavensward, which is the Final Fantasy XIV expansion, but apparently it's the same writer that wrote 16, wrote Heavensward, and there were some issues that people had with the treatment of women in the Heavensward, or in the Heavensward exam, exp, expansion for Final Fantasy XIV that are kind of echoed in 16, in what we know so far. So... Uh, I'm not going to say anything more than that, uh, but I think that is something people should know, and it is probably something that's going to come out in the reviews. I believe the embargo is up on Tuesday, so you're going to probably see it referenced in reviews, um, that this this is a, a storyline of like one of the very few main characters who are women in Final Fantasy XVI. Uh, so... Um, I'm not going to go into any more detail because I have read the the, the detail uh, from from one of the internet forums out there. Um, but I do know that a lot of people, especially in that forum, were like, all right, no, I can't play this anymore. Like, this is not something I can handle. I think this is this game is looking really good. I was really enjoying it. I do have... Uh, I did go back. It was one of those times I went back and played the demo a second time. Well, A, I did die in the demo once. Uh, I didn't realize at the end of the main story sequence, you still had to keep on attacking the per- the, 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 the other icon, the other kaiju. Uh, so I tried attacking the big ball it was throwing at me, and then it, 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 it counted down and killed me. And I was like, oh, this is probably part of the story. And it's like, game over. Would you like to retry? And I'm like, oh, well, okay. Um, and, uh, but... I uh, I I did the second. So there's like the the first two hours of the game. Basically, you get up to level ten. Uh, it's very on rails, very cutscene heavy. But then you can go into this icon challenge, which actually gives you like it's a couple hours into the game, uh, but it gives you gear and icons, which are your you know special magic abilities. Um, E-I-K-O-N-S is how it's spelled. Uh, and it gives you those, and you can play around with them. Uh, in a later stage of the game, which is more of a dungeon crawl. Uh, and so I played around with that a little bit, and you start to learn how to do some combos. And I will say that they did the uh, the accessories, the, the story mode accessories. They did them really well. Uh, and uh, I went through a second time and actually equipped the accessory that did all the, you know, basically press square to win. Uh, so you basically you're pressing square, and it's doing all these flashy combos. And I got to see some combos. I'm like, okay, that's how that works. Because you can see, you watch it switch between the three icons you have, and you, it it will even do some of the holds. Because uh, the Titan one, it's actually you have to hold it down and release at the at the red part. It makes sense when you see it, uh, and it does those, and you actually like do really wall up the the character, and it makes basically the game basically a boss fight easy. Um, and you can just equip it and unequip it as you want. Uh, and then there's one for the timely evasion or, you know, a timely dodge where, like, either it will slow down time so you can evade or I actually just turn the one that's, like, automatically evade. Just I don't want to deal with blocking. I don't want to deal with evading. I just want to hit things. Uh, so I, I use that accessory, but I'm not actually going to be using the one that does the press square to win. I'm actually going to do the combos myself. I'm going to learn them and, and figure out how how I can get them to work like a good Devil May Cry player would. Um, but they did that really well. And then they've got another one that is like healing. And I never equipped that one because I want to be in control of when my potions get, get hit. 
uh, which you can only carry four potions at once. It's really interesting. You can only carry like four potions, three high potions. Maybe that changes later in the game. Uh, but then if you come across a potion, you already have four, it just automatically uses it. So it doesn't leave it there for you to go back to. Um, but it does give you a really good sense of the story, and then it gives you a good sense of the gameplay. And it's like that icon challenge, it's another like 45 minutes with cutscenes and like multiple boss battles and everything. So like... That demo is very generous. It gives you three hours, basically, of of stuff to do. Uh, and uh, it, it really does hype you up for the game. Like I said, I went out, I, I pre-ordered it after playing it. I got the two terabyte of storage and put it in my PlayStation 5 so I can actually, like, install more things. And I, 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 I was... I, I kind of wished it wasn't the grim, dark fantasy setting that we're seeing a lot of in, in games, like all the Souls games have it and stuff like that. But I'm I'm hoping that the rest of this stuff is as much fun as I've had. I'm hoping that it does open up a little bit more. Questbuster says, yeah, the icon battle was my first exposure to the easy setting. It was really interesting and in leaving it to the player to set their own challenge. Sometimes, though, the accessories could feel like they get in the way when they stop the action without your input, but that might be just be me. Uh, switching between icons was really fun once I got it. One of the things that I kept doing was when I had the accessory on that was this press square to win one is that I would wind up hitting another button that dodged while it was going to do a Titan, one of the Titan hold things, and so it canceled it, but it used it anyway. Um, I didn't like it when I only had one uh, ability, which you get, but which is basically how it works in the beginning of the game. You only have one ability, and so it will use it, and there's a cooldown. And I'm like, well, I don't want to use it yet. So I took it off when I was early on in the game because I didn't want it using that ability unless I told it to. And it's really not that difficult to get get used to. But the dodge one, I was like, yeah, I don't want the timing. I don't want it to slow down. I just want it to automatically dodge. And that, that seems to be where Bobby Blackwolf mode will be for this game. So if you have a PlayStation 5, try it out. The demo is only 18 gigs. It's not 92, 96 gigs. It's only 18 gigs. It gets you a really good sense of the story. And it gets you a good sense. Once you finish the story, then you can go into the kind of the, the battle ch- section where you get the higher end gear. And they give you a bunch of skill points so you can even get other abilities if you really wanted to and try other abilities that are on the icons and, and set those. And it gives, like I said, it gives you a really good sense of, of the game. And I think I'm going to enjoy it. I know other people are going to have some issues with the game, with the, the, with the diversity or the content or the way that they wrote certain roles. And I totally understand that. And if that's not for you, then that's not for you. And I totally respect your decision to go play any of the other great stuff that's going to be coming out in 2023 because this is an amazing year for a game. Questbuster's hyped. I'm hyped too. Am I going to stream it? No, because I want to play it in my nice 4K theater downstairs and I don't want it with like with these lights on. So I'm not going to play it on stream. But maybe like if I ever do get Diablo 4, maybe that's something I can stream and I'll be like, I'm the noob and here's my, here's my special guest, Rob Roberts to, to, to show me how much of a noob I am and go slay demons with me. Maybe, maybe that's something we'll do. I don't know. So that was final fantasy 16. Uh, and that's coming out for the PlayStation five. It's not coming out for the Xbox one. Uh, and actually nothing, uh, first parties ever coming out for the Xbox one. Again, Microsoft's done. With the Xbox One, The Verge has reported 
that uh, Microsoft has moved on from the Xbox One is no longer creating first-party games for its previous generation of consoles. Uh, Xbox Game Studios chief Matt Booty yeah, says, quote, we've moved on to Gen 9, unquote, uh, which is the Series S and X uh, generation uh, in an interview with Axios. So while Microsoft will still support Xbox One hardware and games like Minecraft running on the previous generation, no internal studios are working on new games for the Xbox One anymore. Microsoft has been slowly pushing to this point using Xbox Cloud Gaming to offer up games like Microsoft Flight Simulator to existing Xbox One users. Microsoft's recent recent Xbox game showcase didn't contain any first-party games that will run on the Xbox One natively, and Booty says that the company will continue to leverage its Xbox Cloud gaming infrastructure to offer the latest games to Xbox One users. He said, quote, that's how we're going to maintain support, unquote. So I hope that you Xbox One users have a very generous data cap. Microsoft's own game developers are now focused on Xbox Series S and X consoles, despite claims that some developers are asking Microsoft to drop mandatory Xbox Series S compatibility for the latest Xbox games. The $299 Xbox Series S launched as a console capable of 1440p gaming at up to 120 frames a second, but many games have only hit 1080p and without the higher frame rates of the more powerful Series X. So that's something to kind of keep a tab on if you have a Series S. Uh, And the reason I'm saying that is because there's going to be a time you're going to get a game that won't work on the S. And in fact, most games won't work on the Series S because Microsoft has always relaxed these requirements as time goes on. I remember back in the day, this is a reminiscing about gaming history part. So Xbox 360 comes out and they come out with this brand new program called Xbox Live Arcade where you can download games off the Internet you download them digitally instead of getting them on a disc. This was actually kind of a novel concept at the time of the Xbox 360. We didn't always have digital downloads. Well, we had it then. But Xbox Live Arcade games had to be 64 megs or less or something like that. It was some absurdly small number. And it was because every single Xbox, you should be able to hold an Xbox Live Arcade game on a memory card which was 64 megs. And that was a literal requirement. Any Xbox Live Arcade game, which was every downloadable game that you could get digitally, that you purchase digitally and download without a disc, had to fit on a memory card because not every Xbox 360 came with a hard drive. And the hard drives were only 20 gigs, if you remember that correctly. So, the... uh, So... That was the way it was for about a year or two, and then finally, like, one game was able to break that, and it had it was like 110 megs. And then suddenly more and more and more, and then they just gave up their requirement entirely, and then you had... And they also gave up Xbox Live Arcade, and they just, like, it's Xbox games. They're Xbox. So, whatever. Uh, and then it became... They became bigger and bigger and bigger, and then, you know... They released the 120 gig hard drive for the Xbox 360 because the 20 gig wasn't enough. Uh, and then you could, you know, just buy retail games and, and it, it went from there. But they relaxed the requirement that was early on in the life cycle that every game had to work, be small enough to fit on a memory card. They're going to do the same here. There is going to be a time where they're not going to require developers to support the Xbox Series S natively. So you would have to play it through the cloud to play it on the Series S. 
And uh, Redertainment says, so over time, the Xbox Series S will become even more of a dedicated emulation box. Yeah, it is. Uh, and um, just be prepared. If you have an S, just be prepared that in about a year or two, you probably are going to be left behind on certain games. There are going to be games that will not run natively on your device. And Microsoft has done this many times. They used to ma also mandate that every game released digitally on the Xbox on Xbox Live Arcade had to have a demo. Every single one had to have a free trial. They also got rid of that. About you know, that took a little bit longer than the than the memory card thing, but it, they they did get rid of it during the Xbox 360's life cycle, where they they did not require a demo. Uh, or a free trial or anything. Um, so they do relax a lot of these stringent requirements over time. And Tiger Claw says it was inevitable. Yeah. So just be no, just know that that's going to happen. Um, so Microsoft's larger and more powerful Xbox Series X has more raw GPU power and also a larger 16 gigs of RAM with the smaller Xbox Series S offering just 10 gigs of RAM. The memory constraints have been painful for some developers, but Microsoft has worked to try and improve the overall graphics and performance of its miniature Xbox and free up more memory for developers to access on the Xbox Series S. Uh, Booty says, quote, is it more work? Sure, uh, unquote. But he also claims that Microsoft's own Xbox Game Studios have been able to get more performance out of their latest games built for Xbox Series S. Microsoft also announced a black one terabyte version of its Series S console during its showcase in an attempt to address concerns around the 512 gig storage situation of the base Series S. Realize also that what they do, which helps with that as well, is that when they have the smart delivery thing, which everybody's like, oh, it's a gimmick, whatever. Uh, it's actually not a gimmick. What it does is if you're on an Xbox Series S, it actually takes up less space on the hard drive because they don't have the 4K textures on there. They only have the 1440p or the 1080p textures. So that that way you can have more games on an Xbox Series S than you can on an Xbox Series X that also has one terabyte. So if you, they both have one terabyte, you can actually fit more games on an S than on an X. Bailey Anamaya says, it seems lately demos are having a revival. I see them everywhere. And you want to know why that is? It's because uh, you couldn't go anywhere to play them for three years or for two years or however however long that whole part lasted in your part of the country. Some places it only lasted six months. Some places it lasted a couple of years. But they started doing that because there was no, like, there was no E3. There was no Gamescom. There was no Tokyo Game Show for a couple of years. So the only way for to get their game out in front of people before it came out was to actually package a demo. And I think that's a lot of why we're starting to see them again. Because they can't expect people to go to a place to go play a bunch of demos. That doesn't exist. PAX didn't exist for the longest time. That was where they would they would make, make a PAX build and send you know send it to PAX but then you know PAX was canceled and then it was downsized and didn't have as many people so it was a lot easier to just put it out uh for, for people to download um so I I like seeing that they're making a comeback and honestly I actually think that demos are the perfect use case for the cloud gaming instead of downloading a demo like a 20 gig demo uh, or like 18 gigs, like Final Fantasy 16, uh, is probably only 5 gigs or 6 gigs of my bandwidth cap to stream it 
if I streamed the Final Fantasy 16 demo, it probably would have been less on my bandwidth cap. And so I can see that, you know, you may want to download a 20 gig demo for something you may turn off in five minutes, but you'd stream it and you'd be able to start it right then instead of having to wait. Now, Redertainment says there isn't a place where a bunch of people can watch someone play a game. Twitch. Yes, the only way people can experience games nowadays is through demos. Twitch. Um, I was actually talking about actually having hand-on controller and actually playing it. Yes, absolutely, you can watch people play games on Twitch, uh, but they send the demos early to Twitch streamers then. And so they're making demos. Questbuster says, for PC users, there's going to be even more demos next week when Steam Next Fest kicks off. Uh, indies have, and that's a lot of indie games as well, as, has gone on that bandwagon because there's a lot of noise out there. And so if you have a demo that people can download, and especially if it's a smaller executable, uh, that's going to help because indie games on on Steam especially need every bit of help they can get because discoverability is not that easy when there are you know hundreds of new games released every day on Steam. Speaking of uh, devs that probably wish they stayed indie, uh, I keep calling them the European Tencent because they are, except they got bit harder than Tencent ever did. We're talking about Embracer Group, which is uh, the the Swedish based uh game publisher that basically like has tried to buy like the other half of the game industry that Tencent already didn't buy. Video Games Chronicle reports that Embracer Group has announced a new restructuring program which will see some game studios closed and some projects canceled. Shares in the company nosedived by over 40% last month after the Swedish company said that a major 2 billion dollar partnership had fallen through unexpectedly and would not be going forward ahead as planned, leading up to a slashing of its earnings forecast. Now, in an open letter on the company's website, Group CEO Lars Wingfor, I think that I don't know how to pronounce it, and I'm not Swedish, so I apologize, uh, has stated that the newly announced restructuring program will be designed to make Embracer leaner, stronger, and more focused, self-sufficient company. Uh, he explained, quote, during the past years, Embracer invested significantly in both acquisitions and into a strategy of accelerated organic growth. We have acquired some of the world's leading entertainment IP, and we have invested into one of the largest pipelines of games across the industry. The program presented today will transform us from our current heavy investment mode to a highly cash flow generative business this year, unquote. They basically acquired a lot of people that you didn't realize they acquired. Uh, their Wikipedia page is like 10 pages long of all the companies that they own now. The new restructuring will result in job losses. Quote, Embracer currently engages close to 17,000 people, and while that number will be lower by the end of the year, it is too early to give an exact forecast on this. The actions will include, but not be limited to, closing or divestments of some studios and the termination or pausing of some ongoing game development projects. It will also include, include decreased spending on non-development costs such as overhead and other operating expenses. We will reduce third-party publishing and put greater focus on internal IP and increase internal funding of large-budget games. Uh, the cancellations will almost entirely be around unannounced projects. And all announced significant releases will still continue to be released as planned. 
Uh, concluding, he says, I'm proud of what we have built over the years, and we should acknowledge that we are heading into a solid year with many amazing releases such as Remnant 2, Warhammer 40, 000, uh, 40K, Space Marine 2, Payday 3, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, Turbocharged, Arizona Sunshine 2, Alone in the Dark, Homeworld 3, and many others. Our financial year started with one of our greatest successes so far, Dead Island 2, which exceeded our management's already high expectations, unquote. Um, so it actually runs 12 operating groups. This is the size of it. 12 operating groups overseeing 138 internal studios with ownership or control of around 850 IPs. So this, this is big. Uh, last year, the Swedish company acquired a large part of Square Enix's Western development arm for $300 million, which was really a steal. The deal saw Embracer becoming the owner of Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, Square Enix Montreal, and a catalog catalog of IPs, including Tomb Raider and Deus Ex. Uh, it followed this up with another round of acquisitions in August of 2022, including the rights to The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So that, I believe that Gollum game that's getting trashed, I believe that was them. It also owns companies such as THQ Nordic, Coke Media, Deep Silver, Saber Interactive, and Gearbox Software, and in December 2021 purchased French board game company Asmodi for 2.75 billion euros, its largest acquisition to date. In 2021, it acquired Borderlands developer Gearbox for up to $1.4 billion, and in 2020, it purchased World War Z and Witcher 3 port developer Saber. There is a lot here. Um, and so there's probably companies, studios that got bought while they were working on something. And now it's going to get, they're going to get shut down. And, and, and it's going to be, it's going to be kind of sad. Like there is like, if I go to, to their, their page, like just, just so you can see what we're talking about here. If I go to here, this is their Wikipedia page. And they've got, I scroll, I'm scrolling down. And all of these are people, places they own. They also own Dark Horse Comics, by the way. J just so you're, so it's not even just, uh, ju just video games. They they own, uh, they own Tabletop, they own Asmodee, which does uh, Tabletop games, but they own Dark Horse Comics and Dark Horse Entertainment. Um... They then, uh, but yeah, so they've got a lot of studios in here. Uh, Tripwire Interactive, which is actually up the road from me, uh, is owned by them. They made um, they made Maneater, was the game that you're probably you probably most familiar with. Uh, but they also did uh, Killing Floor, I believe, it was their first person shooter. Um, as and I'm I'm going through some of uh, some of this other stuff. 3D Realms. So there's your Duke Nukem. Uh, the people that originally made Duke Nukem. Uh, obviously, Gearbox had it then. Um, but Deep Silver, that's your Dead Island 2. Uh, the whole Gearbox stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's... Um, and then also a lot of the Square Enix, like the, the Crystal Dynamics and Eidos and all that stuff they own now, too. Uh, but they're, that, that list is going to get smaller. Because they're not going to want to have that many studios. That's what the overhead is. They're going to consolidate a lot of those studios, lay off people, cancel projects that you didn't know were happening. Uh, and, um, and and they're going to concentrate on certain things like more of the Lord of the Rings saga. Uh, and, and hopefully not like the Gollum game. Um, 
And uh, Questbrother says Gollum was actually by Daedalic, but Embracer Saints Row reboot was not a huge success either. That's right. They own Volition that made Saints Row. So, um, yeah. So th- this is this is actually bigger news than you realize. And we're always so focused. And the reason I always call them the European Tencent is because we're always so focused on Tencent because that's China. And so all the, the pieces of, of the pot that Tencent owns of, like, Epic Games and, and, and things like that, uh, we see that. But we don't really see Embracer Group in the same way because they're from Sweden. And so, you know, Sweden's nice. And it is. It's a very nice place. Uh, but they they are trying – they're basically trying to go up and be another Tencent. And for three mass, hasn't society moved on from Lord of the Rings adaptations? And Red Entertainment even says, not really. They've just moved on from mad ones because there was the the Amazon series or something like that. I, I don't know. So uh, we are going to take a very quick music break. And then uh, I'm going to actually go open up the Discord server So for your calls. So if you want to call in, uh, the way this works, there is a green room voice chat channel over on our Discord server, vognumber.com slash Discord. Hop in there so I can see you during the music break. And then when we come back to the music break, if anybody's in there, uh, then I'll pull you into a different room and we can talk about anything going on in the gaming industry because I know I didn't talk about everything going on. Uh, but maybe you have uh, some insight on some of this or an opinion on some of this that uh, is different from mine or adds on to what I was saying. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show or in the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Hey, Bobby, this is Offer, and I'm just calling to let you know that I 100% agree with you that the Sonic CD US soundtrack is far superior to the Japanese one, not only because of Sonic Boom, but because of the freaking amazing version of Stardust Speedway Bad Future. What if they had said that the, the the U.S. version was the definitive version? Like, what if they had said that? Uh, thank you so much for that bumper. Uh, I had that in for when we were doing GDQ stuff because Sonic goes fast. But if you want to leave a bumper uh, that isn't from years ago, all you got to do is uh, basically I need an MP3 of just your voice or a video of just your voice. I will choose what DMCA violation to put behind it uh, about coming back to the Bobby Blackwell show or about listening to the Bobby Blackwell show or anything like that. Uh, so... You can do that and then contact me either on our Discord or you can email me uh, bumpers at bobbyblackwolf.com. That works, too. Uh, and uh, and get, we can figure out how to get it to me. Uh, and uh, and, and Dark Decia says, I did play Sonic Jam on Saturday this week, but I don't believe Sonic CD is actually on it. No, it, it, I don't think it was. But, uh, but it, the, the, I, I, am, I am a U.S. soundtrack person. I am uh, apparently the only, one of only two here uh and uh thankfully uh my show hasn't been canceled yet so uh i'm gonna continue to say that um uh, a lot uh questbuster did say uh before we went to break saying that embracer gobbling dark horse comics and lord of the rings uh rights was wild news they also did a lot with star wars uh years ago dark horse comics did and with uh indiana jones so uh, yeah, the, the Embracer Group thing is 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 amazing. Uh, I did want to mention that uh, during that time we did uh, during the break what we don't put on the podcast because it's just like music. But there's a there's an nobody tell Twitch there's a, a burned in video ad that I played for uh, the Southern Fried Gaming Expo, which is July 28th through 30th here in Atlanta. Memberships are still available, uh, but I will be there. And Rob Roberts from Orange Sounds Radio is coming out from California to be there. Uh, and I also heard that there is a there is a chance that you will get to see Rob on stage 
at Southern Fried Gaming Expo. We're still talking behind the scenes about all that stuff. Uh, but Vogue Network is a sponsor. We are proud to be a sponsor once again of the Southern Fried Gaming Expo like we have been for quite some time. It is in its 10th year. Uh, so go to GameATL.com if you want to find out more. It is at the Renaissance Waverly Hotel at the Cobb Galleria Center here in Northwest Atlanta, uh, right across the expressway from Truist Park where the Atlanta Braves play. And, yes, there are Braves home games that weekend, so keep that in mind for the traffic and the parking. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I do not see anybody in the green room right now. Uh, but uh, I just I do want to mention that uh, – uh, every once in a while, we do try to take calls, but uh, I also understand that a lot of people don't don't want to take calls. I, I also am going to say this uh, because I probably should say this because everybody that meets me is like, how do you do that? For the longest time, uh, I have had uh, I have not upgraded my mobile phone, my, my 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 cell phone, my mobile phone, my car phone, whatever. I'm old. Uh, I have not actually upgraded it since 2017. Uh, I have been rocking the same Samsung Galaxy S8 that I have had since 2017 that I got for the Samsung Gear VR, which I still have up there. Uh, but uh, I, I now have a Pixel 7 Pro, and I'm waiting for the case to get here for everybody that's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you've got no case on it. Uh, it takes a while to set one of these up, if you, especially if you have, like, a bunch of apps that have their own logins, and and there's, like, security updates and... And getting on like a current plan with my with my cell provider because like I didn't have five G on my plan and they're like you need to go to a new 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 plan so it's the Pixel Seven Pro I know that I could have waited like three more months and gotten an eight uh, but um, no I got the Pixel Seven Pro so now if I take selfies with people I can erase them out of it that's really the main thing I want it for um, so. So, yeah, so um, coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash Network is uh, Orange Dodge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do, and we like to check in with them, and really we're going to just uh, we're, we're, we're gonna just geek out about Final Fantasy sixteen. I bet. Um, so we like to check in with them and see what's going on. Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Bobby. How are you? Uh, I am doing well. So Final Fantasy sixteen. Yes, is is I I'm still excited for it, and yeah, I, so I know it's great. I, I I and I stole your I, I I totally stole your your line about it being the first episode in the series, and wasn't gonna credit you, and then I felt bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. fine. I guess I maybe have borrowed a thing or two from you over the years. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, I mean, I frankly, what it is, is that I know that you're going to be here in a couple weeks. And, you know, if I steal too much from you, you're going to steal my high score back. And and well, I luckily been... you have all these uh, expo pinball machines for me yes. to play and get my silly beginner's luck on. Yes. So um, that's that's yeah. that's the hope is that I would knock out the high scores and all those tables yes. first. Yes, we're going to have a lot of fun on that. But yeah, the, the Final Fantasy 16 demo. Um, oh, I wanted to kind of get your impressions because you were able to kind of jump into the battle system a little bit quicker than I was. Like you were able to mm-hmm. get it because I was watching you on Twitch do it after I had done it on my own. Um, are you liking the Devil May Cry style uh, of gameplay? Is that kind of helping, or is there, or do you kind of are you one of the people that kind of wish that Final Fantasy was still a little bit more turn based and not so actiony? 
I mean, sure, I miss the turn-based RPGs, too. There's a lot that I really loved about that day and age of games. But, you know, I look at how things have evolved a little bit with Final Fantasy as we moved from, you know, because if you really think about it, the last time we had a truly turn-based Final Fantasy game was 10. You know, 11 was mm-hmm. an MMO. 12 incorporated some of more of those live elements in the Gambit system, and it was it was kind of always moving. It wasn't quite as turn-based. As before, 13 was all about the paradigm shift, and, you know, you really only, uh, you kind of flipped between different, you know, uh, classes, and you could set abilities, but it was very, very different from what it was used to. And then, of course, you know, 14 got a little more action as did 15. So, you know, this has been an evolution that's been happening since 2001 uh, with the Final Fantasy series. So I'm not that upset about the lack of the turn base because you know there are other options for those that prefer that you know you've got octopath and you know some of these other you know other side games that square enix has been working on um i think the action in 16 is a lot lot better than it was in 15 yeah i I, you know and as much as i i i enjoyed 15 i guess you know there were there were definitely drawbacks of 15 but i did overall have a good experience with 15 as much as I enjoyed 15, I don't think I ever understood the combat system, truly. And yeah. I don't think I ever got what was going on. This, in 16, I understood by the end of the demo. Yeah, I think what they did with the rings was really smart because you can make this uh, battle system Bobby Blackwolf easy yeah. all the way through, you know, pretty difficult. You know, I, I uh, timing the dodges without the assist, that's because, uh, you know, you got to either stand out of AOE very quickly or you got to be able to dodge fast. Yeah, because uh, like on that Garuda fight at the end of the uh, um, uh, action demo or the combat demo, like there was a lot of stuff to dodge, especially if you didn't have the slow down time thing equipped. But I love that that's there. That's an option yeah. for those of us that like just don't want to suffer through the game getting hit over and over and over again, but still want to feel like you have a little bit of control over what's going on in the action. Yeah. So I think, you know, as much as people read weird into the rings thing at the beginning and people were like, but there's five rings and three slots and everybody wanted to write it off immediately for that. If you kind of take a deeper dive into it, you see, okay, oh, this actually makes you you can really change the difficulty from very easy to not so easy very yeah. easily with these items. So um, that was that was good. So I, I th- there's a lot about this game I'd like to take a wait and see approach with because um, I've seen us kind of take a broad stroke to this game a lot. And I think instead of being told how to evaluate art i would like to evaluate the art for myself and um see what i think at the end of the day so let's talk i I do also want to ask because like there's the whole there's the diversity angle and stuff and we from final fantasy like from like you know seven eight nine and in you know 12 and 13 like really you know diverse cast and then 15 i'm not i'm not looking at 11 and 14 really but if the single player ones, it's like we had all these great, you know, diverse casts, colorful casts, and then fifteen and sixteen, it's it's white boys. And yeah, it's um, it's not a great look. It's something that um, they could certainly you know do better. Um, I'm glad that um, they had um, and I forget the musician's name, but they've been you know Alex, a, a big fan, was actually the one that was interviewing Sokin on stage, mm-hmm. um, which was nice. I believe one of the voice actors is a poc mm-hmm. um uh i don't remember the individual's yeah. name though but i remember seeing a lineup of all the different voice actors again i'm not like excusing it yeah but i i'm trying to kind of look into 
they really must have well number one it's you know what we've talked about before on the show about the you know kind of history of the game's development in japan and Mm -hmm. even though you name some recent final fantasy games like 13 sure it had diversity but people had their issues with saws you know and some of the things um i loved them as character quite frankly but i I think a lot of characters in 13 we really rode off before we really explored that game Mm -hmm. um but you know a lot of the classic final fantasy games had this issue as well But one thing I did notice playing the demo, and I'm just going to put this out there, is that as part of the story, it is implied that the folks that have tattoos are a lesser race. And they even actually use the word enslaved to talk about this uh, population of people at one point in the demo. And when that happened and that was explained, I was like, oh, there was an optic thing that Square Enix Mm -hmm. or the, you know, the creative team was really going to go out of their way to prevent um you know again i i i don't want to make excuses but there's these things that when they kind of you put them together you kind of go i see i see where they kind of went that direction and why they're kind of sticking to their guns they were trying to you know they 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 could have had a worse situation and they went with a bad situation i guess yeah so it'll see we'll see uh we're gonna see there's there's obviously gonna be a lot of discourse about the game Mm-hmm. Um, from people who aren't playing it and why they're not playing it, uh, mm-hmm. while hopefully people who are playing it are going to just go enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so what else are you going to be talking about on Orange Sounds Radio tonight? Uh, let's talk about the latest and greatest in gaming, including uh, what happened with Ubisoft and Capcom this week, because we had some more gaming mm-hmm. announcements. There's been a lot of drama on Twitch.television. We'll yeah. talk a little bit about that and what it's meant for one of the rival platforms. I still have a lot of hesitation about said rival platform but we'll get into that as we uh get into the show tonight and uh you know what you can always rely on nintendo for a fun time and they're taking their show on the road this summer with the summer of play tour so we'll talk Mm -hmm. all about all of those things coming up next on olr all right orange lounge radio is up next thanks so much rob thanks as always bobby so uh that is it for me i will be back next sunday night 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific right here at the voice geeks network twitch channel twitch.tv slash vlog network come join us live and interact with the show directly i will not actually be here in two weeks which is july 4th weekend but it's july 2nd uh i will not be here on that night uh so uh we will be uh attending something else going on that night so uh unfortunately i will not be here in two weeks but next week I'll be here and gushing all about Final Fantasy 16, the full game, uh, hopefully, and 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 t- talking about how great that is, and then whatever else comes out if there is a Nintendo thing happening this week, uh, and what other revelations we get, uh, other game announcements, because since there's no E3, it's not all in one week. They can have it things spread out a little bit. Um, so we will be able to talk more about that. So I will see you next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific right here at twitch.tv slash vog network. Uh, you can also find me on social media. I am at Bobby Blackwolf just about everywhere. Uh, mstdn.games is my Mastodon instance if you're looking for the right Bobby Blackwolf there. Uh, or you can go to our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord, and uh, co- interact with us during the week and maybe share your thoughts on Final Fantasy 16, either uh, the gameplay or the story or both. Uh, and, uh, you know, just be respectful of everybody's opinions. We all come from different backgrounds and different things affect us in different ways. Uh, and uh, I, and I personally think that's okay. 
Uh, and so I hope that you do as well. Hey, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make the live show work without the help of the chatters who go above and beyond. You just being here is really all we ask. But we had a hype train as we started the show tonight. So thank you so much, Fifth Dream, for resubscribing, Paleonimea for resubscribing, and Mike Deft for resubscribing to our Twitch channel that gets the VOD access so you can actually watch the videos of this. Uh, the podcast of this is actually edited down, so like a lot of the breaks are edited down, or sometimes I do edit out like non-sequiturs. There was a bunch of non-sequiturs I edited out of last week's show. Um, but if you're if you're a Twitch subscriber, you can see them on the VOD. Uh, and then Sean322 cheered 200 bits uh, doing the whole GDQ thing. So I guess I got to do this again. <clears throat> Hang on a second. Got to do that. I'm going to get away from the mic so I don't blow people out. Anyway, thank you so much for uh, going above and beyond. But you just being here and listening and making it to the end is all that we ask for. So uh, if you are uh, having a Juneteenth celebration, happy Juneteenth. That is tomorrow as of when we're uh, uh, doing this, or hope it's very reflective for you. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.